This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths. Enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. You know that you are meant for something greater. There is no doubt in your mind that you are here to live a life of love, freedom, and caring. Bringing richness to the world is what you came here to do. You are here to change lives. There is no doubt in your mind that you are worth taking risks for. Throughout your life, you have lived with this knowing. The dance, the laughter, the tears, the rage. A passion and longing that consumes you. In spite of your fear, you realize this is your very truth. It is this truth that you came here to discover. There is part of you that longs to be freed from its cage. Embrace this part of you that desires freedom, to be heard, to be seen. The part of you that seeks to live the true story of your life. Valeria interviews Sarah Noble. She is a mystic, spiritual guide, and transformational coach. As a portal between the seen and the unseen worlds, she lives in devotion to creating spaces that allow people to be fully alive and deeply connected to their intuition. We are all intuitive and have the capacity to connect with what we cannot see. And because of this, she loves inspiring people to embrace their magic and live in the mystery of life. Knowing that life is always loving you, even in the hard moments, and understanding that how you show up for everything is connected to how you are loving and being with yourself. She loves to play in the places that awaken the truth of you and ignite the gifts of your intuition, magic, and your deepest desires. Meet Sarah at sarahnoble.com. Here's the interview with Sarah Noble. In your own words, who is Sarah Noble? Hi. I would say Sarah Noble is here in devotion to creating spaces that allow people to live fully alive. It is the passion and purpose of my life through my own life journey that has brought me here to this moment in service to humanity, to evolution, and to our intuitive journey. I guess the second question is related to what you just said, is how do we know, or how do we recognize that we are on a spiritual journey or transformational journey? Mm -hmm. In my own experience, it was a slow uncovering. And for a long time, I was sort of searching for this idea of being awakened. Mm. 
which in the spiritual community can be, you know, it's, it's a thing like, are you awake? Have you had your awakening? And so to me, it was supposed to be this big thing where everything changed. But the reality of my journey and what I find for a lot of people is it is really a slow uncovering. And as I was becoming more intuitive and absorbing more, learning more, expanding into the idea that we create our reality and I have these gifts inside me that were dormant and they're coming alive, I kept saying, I'm not awake. And one day someone pointed out to me that I was actually quite awake and it had just happened without me realizing that it was happening because it was more of a process for me than it was like a moment. Yes, that resonates true. The uncovering of deeper truth, especially the one that you call um, being awakened. What is that like? Do you see this reality differently yourself and yeah. Oh, how is it different from the way you perceived life before? I'd say one of the biggest things was really stepping into my inner authority and remembering that I actually create my life and my reality. Prior to personal work, really diving into the spiritual path, I believed that everything was outside of me, that my circumstances dictated me. The people, places, and things in my life were not, they were separate from me. And the journey inward has taught me that actually everything in my external world is just a reflection of my internal world. Mm. So to me, being awakened is remembering this truth. Because it brings me back to my own power, my own sovereignty that I get to choose, I get to decide. And through that process, I then create reality. Wow, that sounds fascinating, the idea that we are creating the external reality. It's um, interesting to see it that way, which makes sense to me. But what makes more sense in a way is perception. It seems like we are perceiving reality very differently. Minds are different, bodies are different. We're all having this unique experience. For some reason, uh, I used to do that a lot, the idea of karma, because I was born in, into a family that was um, very violent in many ways. So, and I was always wondered when I was really young, why is this happening? What did I do to deserve this as a child? So only later on, I, of course, um, because I was very curious to know why I suffered so much and why all that happened, then spirituality was my path, basically going within and doing my own researches. But then, of course, I found out, uh, I read a lot and studied a lot, and I found out about karma and this idea that we have done something in past lives to deserve whatever we go through here. So it seems very unfair to me in a way, Sarah, that because we don't remember and then we come into this reality called world, earth, and then we are having harsh experiences, difficult ones as children, but we can't process them. We don't remember and we 
And we don't know, really. We don't have any reference. We can't really lean on anything, any philosophy, any concept to kind of distance ourselves from the situation. So the brain's affected. And I remember having a lot of issues, depression, anxiety, because of those experiences. So how do you see that? Yeah, this idea of karma and then not remembering what we did in past lives to deserve what we're going through here, it could get worse. Like in my case, it could have. It didn't, but it, actually it did for a while. <laughs> I've suffered for a long time. So talk to me about that from the perspective of suffering and karma suffering. How do you make sense of all that? Yeah, um, I share a similar story to you with the younger, more violent upbringing and really living from a place of being scared and afraid yeah, of right. the world <laughs> Yes, and yeah. what is possible and what can happen because it really did happen. And then also the past life, uh, you know, there's a lot of lives where we do good things and then there's lives when we do not so great things according to our you know, scale of morality. And for me, what I've taken away from all of that, the way that I have worked with that is I see it as, as evolving. I see it as the place where we are given a choice with what do we do with that? For a long time, I felt like a victim of my life because of all these things that happened. Why me? That poor little girl, she didn't deserve that. And so through that lens, I went out into the world and lived my life. And because of this lens, that is how I saw the world. Sometimes people were against me. People were out to get me. I didn't get what I wanted. Another bad event, quotes, you know, bad event happened. And I'm creating that because of what I believe about the world. And that belief was a very deep belief. And I had a choice to continue to believe that, or I had a choice to do something different. I had a choice to investigate the truth of life, of myself, of do my circumstances dictate what will happen to me forever, or do I get to choose something different? And I really feel that that led me on a deep, deep journey that I showed up for and said yes to. And I believe a lot of us, all of us, we're all connected. So we do share this similar thread of suffering as a way to evolve. Because if it's easy, we don't have a motivation to do something different. But if there's a challenge, we it pushes us. All that said, I do think that where we are at in our world today does play a part in the amount of suffering that is there because everything is consciousness. And we tend to focus on, on the spiritual journey of the consciousness of love and light and everything's beautiful. And if I know God and, and what we turn away from is the consciousness that is 
of children being hurt and being in violent situations. We turn away from our own pain. We turn away from our neighbor's pain. We are in a place where as a whole human organism, we are separated from each other and each other's pain. And so it perpetuates. And I believe part of the solution is really us turning towards the parts that we think are hard, the things that have happened in our cultures that are abominable. But as long as we continue to turn away from those parts and believe that we can pretend it's not happening, it perpetuates more. And that's why I'm really passionate about this, like trusting ourselves, turning towards ourselves, because when we can learn to do it for ourselves, we can then do it for others and for the rest of humanity. So, so true. That is so true. I love the way you say that. Um, everything's consciousness, so everything is connected. Although it feels the separation is clear from the perspective of uh, the perspective of mind and body. But yes, right, the field of consciousness is one. And also makes a lot of sense when you say what I understood from you is that even though whatever we did in past lives that we um, manifesting some of the karma here, good and bad, then we always have, have a choice to ignite using your word, healing and love, always. So that is so true. Although it was not true for me when I was really young and I couldn't really, the brain could not even turn towards um, healing, didn't even know what that was or love was. But eventually, yes, of course. Um, so do you also believe that, I have to say, I have seen some people who, and you probably have seen that too, that go through pretty much the same experiences that some other people do, and they do better. Some people do better, some people don't. They simply give up or give in to hatred. And unfortunately, it's not a, it doesn't have a, a good ending for the human experience here at this time. So why do some of us have this, uh, it's almost like this opportunity to see deeper truth and some seem not to have that. They might have the opportunity, but they miss it or they dismiss it, they ignore it. Yeah, what do you attribute that to? You know, everybody has their soul journey, the reason that they come here. And possibly those souls want to experience life on earth through the lens of darkness in that lifetime, right? They, it's, it's a world of duality and contrast. That is how we, as this form of our human body, is able to experience this world that we live in is because we have opposites. Some people... Maybe they, in one life, they want to experience the light of it. And then they come back and in another life, they want to experience the darkness of it. That's one possibility. Another possibility is that when someone is pushed up against that choice point of, am I going to listen to that inner voice? Am I going to 
find that depth inside me, they just can't. They don't have the capacity to. They really are so deprived of love that there isn't the ability for them to to find that that place inside. And, and you know what I'm talking about, that inside of all that darkness, there's still a flicker. There's still something in us that moves us forward. Um, and some people, it just feels too much. And it's easier to just be done. You know, if we're talking all the way to the bottom of people taking their lives or, you know, there, there isn't, they've lost that, that thread of hope. Yeah, it sounds very sad, doesn't it? But I know that that is freedom. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a freedom. That's how I see consciousness, really, uh, Sarah, as freedom itself. So it can be anything at any time. But it's always free because, well, the way I see it, I talked briefly off record about the point of view of Advaita Vedanta, which uh, I'm a student of, that this is, uh, it's like a dream, the dream we have at night. It's, uh, it's, it's very easy to kind of compare in a way that when we dream at night, everything that we see, experience, it's just the mind creating all that. It really feels that real. And if we actually lived, didn't wake up from that dream, we would believe that that was true, that that was reality, and we were experiencing those things. But then we wake up, and then we are just laying down in bed safely, peacefully. And that's how I see Vedanta clearly shows that as an example. It's a very beautiful metaphor that this reality is the same thing. So it's God's dreams. It's consciousness dreaming. Mm -hmm. So we are not really, we are all having these experiences here. It seems so real, but we are, in essence, we are just resting. We're just at peace and completely free from it all. That's one the philosophy that really, for some reason, it resonates deeply within myself. And I don't know why, but I studied everything that you can think of. But then Vedanta was the one that, okay, this is, yeah, this is it. <laughs> this is it. And then he, it's hard to explain how we resonate with some philosophies and, and not so much with others. Well, what, it, what I see in what you're saying is that you are taking your power back inside of mm, that yeah, structure, yeah. inside mm. of that teaching. Right. That you are not um, limited to what you're told. That there is a sense of expansion and an ability for you to live life of your choosing. Yes, it goes back to the same idea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that you've been, yes, exactly. Isn't that interesting? You're right, Sarah. Any spiritual teachings that we come across... It goes back into translating that in our reality, in manifesting, bringing that flavor into the experience of body-mind. So that makes so much sense, right? Yeah, that's what it feels like. I feel empowered mm -hmm. in a sense that there's nothing that can touch that part of me, that it's in perfect peace and freedom, that it's just enjoys, just there already. There's nothing to be added. So this is just... 
a playground per se. I, I do feel that way a lot of times. I, I cannot say all the time, but it's a practice for me. But still, yes, um, thank you for saying that because that's exactly it. Going back to our own inner power. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's oneness in their connection, mm, right? Mm, oh, everything yeah. and everyone. Oh, yeah. mm. And it's when we, we drop down into the um, lie of separation where things become challenging, where we are disempowered because now we're buying into cultural and collective beliefs that don't support freedom. Yes, yes. I could scream that, yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's it. Oh, my God. And is that what you you call it intuition? I know your work has everything to do with intuition. You speak of intuition a lot. I know you're, you're offering the Ignite Your Intuition. That's a gift, the, a guide that you give to your, the listeners here for this uh, episode and also on your website. So what is the connection between Intuition and this freedom that we are speaking of, this oneness that we you just spoke of. For me, intuition is a way that I think people can relate to something, that it, it is a teaching, an ancient teaching. It's, it's a word that we understand and ourselves remember. So for me, it, it acts as a portal to our remembering that we are all born gifted with the ability to understand and perceive energy, spiritual information, connect with each other in this beautiful way that is outside of our human traditional ways of relating. And it really brings us back to the idea and the remembering of oneness and also this this place of being able to trust your intuition comes from having a deep deep trust of yourself as a human as a divine being as interconnected with all of life so for me it's been the place where it all comes together and and I see it like a channel inside us that runs from the root chakra to the crown chakra, the top of the head to the, the perineum. And inside of that channel is our power, is our sovereignty. And when we learn to access that, that's where our freedom lives. That's where our remembering, our understanding, our ability to create our world from internal structures rather than needing all of the external validation. Wow, it all resonates so true. So that's the definition, really, or my definition in so many people that I talk to you on the podcast, the definition of spirituality. It's going within. It's um, expressing this experience called life from the inside out. It's the opposite of what, unfortunately, sadly, most people do. Is that something that it happens because we are born into families that 
they are disconnected, really, from their intuition. In societies, too, not just, well, families, they are part of society. So do you see, actually, this changing? Do you have a vision where humans will live from that space of oneness? Do you have that vision that could happen in, in our lifetime? Or it's something that's just within ourselves to, to be experienced? Well, when I look back and research about our evolutionary cycles of history, we are living in an age where we're really only taught recorded history, which is what, 5,000 years, maybe, maybe a little more. And if we think about humanity has been on the planet in different stages of evolution, but for 250,000 years or something crazy. So for us to believe that we are just statically like this now, I, I, I feel that is part of what is happening with our world today in this place of we're being disempowered because we don't know our full history and the cycles of evolution that we have gone through. So what I understand is that we are really sort of coming out of the dark ages, so to say, of spiritual advancement. And we traditionally or typically will now start to rise again. What happens <laughs> and how that all plays out I, I really don't know. Oftentimes when we look back at the cycles, there is quite a lot of destruction and devastation in order for things to change because that is the cycle of life and death. And things have to die in service to new life. Yeah. It's, you know, a spiritual True. law. And we see that within our own lives, Suffering it ignites um, truth, going deeper into our own truth and changing, transforming our lives for better, per se. So, yeah, I would believe that. Um, although it's, it kind of, uh, what comes to me is, why is this necessary? <laughs> Being whole, why do we need to split <laughs> into two to, to then go on this journey of uncovering, discovery, Basically, why do we leave home, you know, in order to come back, to return? So that's what it kind of puzzled me for a long time. But then with the teachings of Vedanta, that became clear. Well, this is not, it never really split it. It never became two. Remember, this is a dream. It, that's when it makes sense. <laughs> I know for the mm -hmm. mind, logical mind would never make sense, but it does to me. <laughs> I know, but that's when you know that you've heard a truth is because the mind is just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that makes no sense. No. And it's like, yeah, it's not going to make sense to you, mind. I'm sorry. This is a teaching of the heart. <laughs> yes, right. But makes me happy. <laughs> it makes you very peaceful. So that's when I know it's true. Like, okay, the mind doesn't understand, but you know, there's something here that it's resonating energetically with the body-mind and it's making everything move, but it, it, without making sense. With that in mind, Sarah, I would love to hear an example from your own life 
where you listen to your intuition. That was one of the uh, your suggested questions that caught my attention. Mm-hmm. So an experience you had that um, you listened to your intuition and then something happened. Hmm. <laughs> Probably so many. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's the, you know, in the beginning I didn't listen and then I would be in situations where it's like, oh, I should have listened. Yeah, tell me And about I know it. that yeah. <laughs> I work with so many people that that's their reality too, right? Like, oh, I knew, but I didn't listen. And I I believe that it's just um, a practice. We hear the guidance and then we act. And that builds trust. It builds faith. It builds experiential data for our system that says, oh, I can trust my intuition. Look. (laughs) And, you know, it started off with small things like I can't find my keys and I get this hit or guidance that says, look in that green bag, that bank bag on the chair. And my mind is like, there's no way they're in there. And so I go about and look and spend five more minutes searching for my keys that end up being in the green bag. And it was fun sort of <laughs> experiences yeah. like that. <laughs> yes. Whereas now, you know, mm-hmm. all these years later, it's it's the bigger things. Like you need to file for divorce. You have to start this podcast. You uh, get to take this training. You get to leave your career. Like it, it's more like that, where they are the bigger life changes that I'm here to live into outside of what fear wants to tell me is possible. Yeah, saying yes to love, living from love. I think A Course in Miracles emphasize that a lot. The fear and love. Have you heard about that, this book, A Course in Miracles? I have, yeah, I haven't read it or taken the course I, but I am familiar with it and the teachings that land in my ears, I do love. <laughs> like when people uh, share something from that course, it's always just lands really in my heart. Yes, the same here. Yeah, I have been open to so many kinds of teachings, but at the same time close to some of them, like Christianity, because I was born Catholic and it didn't make sense to me at the time. I had I just saw too many contradictions. I believe Mm -hmm. in God, but then I would see them saying that and doing the opposite, kind of acting in a way that was not God-like. That's how I lost faith in the um, Catholic and Christianity and all that. But then through the Course in Miracles, then it's coming back in a way, uh, something means trusting that again, that message that is uh, maybe because it was rephrased, it's very different to the way it is um, expressed in that book. Do you also work with people who have been, let's say, certainly in my case, traumatized by some religious beliefs due to their contradiction? Yeah, that's a lot of people on the planet today. And my own story, too. I originally, God was a Christian God who was very punishing and always watching to make sure that I didn't yeah. mess up or do the <laughs> yes. wrong thing. And yeah, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I left that God because that God did not resonate for me after I was about 14 when I stepped away from the church because I I just, 
something in me just could not buy into that story any longer. And so I walked as an agnostic for a while and got into all sorts of trouble (laughs) trying to do it on my own. (laughs) And and then, you know, it was in my my mid to late 20s that I came back around and landed on a yoga mat. And I started hearing of a different God, a different way of relating to God and that I was God and God always loved me. And and it and I get goosebumps just talking about it because I used to cry. I would sit on my yoga mat and cry because it felt so scary to believe in this different version of God. And what I've realized as I've continued on that path now for over two decades is that I had to experience the other side because that's how we learn. Duality comes back in again. I had to not have or have a different experience in order to really fully comprehend and embody the other side of that experience. So, you know, we have, because of duality, we have the capacity to hold both sides of the equation. So the more we are willing to feel the trauma, the separation, the anger, the pain, whatever it is, as a portal to moving into the other side of that equation, we hold the same capacity to remember oneness and connection and love and all these things because we are here experiencing the full spectrum of what earth has to offer. Yeah, I love the way you talk about these things. Um, It's very devotional. I think you use that word um, in your bio. You say, I live in devotion. That's what it feels like. For me, it was that longing to unite again with something that I was unknown to me. Like, what am I trying to, with uh, the search out from outside relationships and all that. And that now that longing, it's still here, but it's much closer. It feels like a gap has been, it has gotten closer. Yeah, I can't really try to find God or anything. Uh, that one is out there because it's already here. So it, that's what it feels like. It's hard to explain though. And I understand what you're saying. You do. Yeah, <laughs> that's the wonderful thing about having these conversations. You understand that? I can't believe it. It's the mind's like, I cannot believe that she understands these things. Yeah. And someone's like saying half of the phrase and the other person like, yeah, I get it. You didn't even complete the phrase. Uh, how wonderful that is. Um, thank you so much, Sarah, for being you, for being open to this. Yeah, thank you for holding this conversation and the space for it. I had goosebumps like many times. The body just responding to it <laughs> in a very interesting way. Do you use the word God these days? I didn't see that anywhere, I guess. But do you still use it, or you uh, I, try to avoid it? <laughs> no, too. I do. I I believe that there are many ways and words and language to express, and having a variety of ways that people can connect with what we all know is the same and shared, I I believe is is a big part of it. I am having a memory of when I was, you know, in that time with my yoga mat and exploring religion again or spirituality, right? Like not religion, spirituality. 
I remember being in this bookstore, having a conversation with another person on a spiritual path. And he was using the word God. And I felt like I was hiding. I was like, oh gosh, I hope nobody hears us. This is so embarrassing. And and that was like how separate, how disconnected I was. And now, whatever word works for you to have an entry point, whatever word works for your heart to remember, I personally don't use God a lot. I use great spirit or spirit is more the way that I feel connected. And I do still say God. And I say divine. I, you know, I I just play, I sort of go with whatever wants to come in because we're all talking about the same thing anyway. Yes, so true. And that's very wise. I would say that's um, what it, we call wisdom, kind of knowing, as you said, what um, what others can. Uh, I almost hesitate to say others because <laughs> it's not really others, but in a way, mm-hmm. body, mind, yes, it, there are many others. So the way they relate to certain words, that's true. What um, kind of awakens them to mm-hmm. the truth? That makes a lot of sense to me. For me, it's actually I have lost almost the connection with those words that relates to spirituality, divine, source. When I say it, it doesn't sound, um, doesn't sound like I'm being authentic. It's like there's something here that doesn't resonate. Although I have to use those words sometimes. But the word that resonates most, which is not really connected, doesn't relate to a thing, to ex- an experience, or the unknown, the mystery, which we call God, is trust. So every time I hear the word trust, something happens. Trusting what's here. I don't have to even to try to translate, understand what here is, not the spaceless here. That resonates. It's really, okay, that's it. <laughs> it's not clear for so many people, especially my husband. <laughs> when you hear me talk about that, for him, it's like he doesn't understand. But yeah, so when I hear you saying the word trust, trust in yourself, trust intuition, it's almost uh, my the attention in me, it's going toward the word trust more than intuition or, or even oneness or myself. So I don't know why that it's happening, but it is happening these days. Yeah. Trust lives in the heart. It is a quality of frequency of the heart. From what I've learned, specifically the back of the heart as well, as in uh, imagining it like a hand, a palm, just holding you gently against the back of the heart, like that eternal support that we have. Wow. Yes, that's interesting. And you know, you reminded me just saying that. I was in Woodstock for a while. The mind and body had to give up a lot to follow the heart. (laughs) And I wrote about it. (laughs) Because I remember meeting somebody at a Buddhist temple in Woodstock. And he was uh, intuitive. He was a psychic medium and all that. And he looked at me and said, there's something about the back, the back of your heart. So something like that, exactly what you said. I mean, now the memory came back and mm-hmm. it has to have something to do with that. So he saw something. That's all he said. And I remember he worked with um, a lot of people, Patrick Swayze. He was trying to heal him when he was dying and all that. I still, I'm still in touch with him. But he's very, 
I mean, he's intuitive, like you. So interesting that he saw that. Not that I was not aware of, of course I was aware, but to see somebody else saying something like that, it's, it's incredible. It's like that it shows how everything is connected. Consciousness is mm-hmm. one, right? That really, it's, it becomes so clear, so real that, um, yeah, it's just beautiful. What can I say? And that came for you then, right? Because it, it dropped in for me to say it. And then you have a specific experience with it. Yes, right. That came to mind just now, the memory. <laughs> and it just, it was forgotten. It just came back. It, but there are some experiences we have that we never forget. Like the traumas I had, I forgot them all. <laughs> the other day I was looking <laughs> at a scar in my body and I was like, oh, wh- how did this happen? I don't even remember. So it was just a scar, but no memories. It's interesting, right, Sarah? It's like looking at the body in the mirror. How did this happen? <laughs> it's almost like a big scar. <laughs> How did this whole thing happen? Uh, what is it? <laughs> so, yeah, it's fascinating when we just meet. Um, I mean, we are in the presence of other people like this. I know I can't see you, but I can't see you. I'm able to see you clearly. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. Thank you so much again for being you, for being open to this dream. <laughs> uh, thank you, Sarah. It's truly beautiful. Mm. Thank you. Talk to me about your services. You are a mystic, um, spiritual guide, and transformational coach. So do you meet your clients, your friends, really, online and offline, on groups, retreats? So, I yes, everything is online. And where I'm at in my own evolution is I, through my human design, I understand that I am here to lead through education and what that looks like at the moment is creating programs that really help people tap into their intuition to learn to trust themselves, to learn to trust their inner guidance, their inner wisdom, and really source their own inner authority, their own power. So just that reclaiming of of who you are as a sovereign being. And that's what the free gift, Ignite Your Intuition, is designed to do. It has an audio teaching, there's a workbook, there's a meditation, and then there's a ceremony practice with the elements. And I created all that as a way to allow that, that flicker of that flame that's alive inside people to grow and to burn and to get brighter as a way to guide them to the truth of their own life, to live fully alive. And and then I offer, I have a quiz called uh, Discover Your Primal Intuitive Power, because I believe one of our gifts that we have is our strongest that we're born with. And it's really beautiful to develop that first because it builds a lot of confidence. So I live into devotion to creating the spaces that allow others to be more fully alive. And that comes through my, my teaching, my programs, and I do lead some live events and I will be leading retreats. <laughs> yes. I'll have the website, which I have here, is sarahnoble.com. So that'll be on, on the podcast notes and also the Ignite Your Intuition link. That'll be there as well. 
I love everything that you do, exactly how you do it. I love the way you express yourself, uh, the body-mind complex, how <laughs> it expresses itself. It's very beautiful. There's a lot of grace. And that's what we wanted to see, right? The vision from all human beings mm -hmm. to be yeah. at peace, right? And we find that by turning towards ourselves. Yes. Yeah, thank you for adding yeah. that, for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so let's see I have the ending questions for you but before I ask you these two questions would you like to add anything else that you left unsaid for today Sarah mm -hmm. thank you for having me thank you for allowing these beautiful words and questions to be in people's ears and in their consciousness thank you for your presence and my ending questions I'll ask you this one What do you love most about being the human body or being the experience of being a human? Oh, um, the pleasure, <laughs> like the, and, and joy that's available. Like I'm an adventurer. <laughs> I love exploring and traveling and just being like on the water, at the beach, on the mountain, skiing, snowboarding, surfing, you know, I love this ability to move and to take in the world like with all these amazing things that are there for us to see and do and feel yes um they're great experiences to have that's true and with that in mind speaking of experience this is a question that i usually end with what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body before they die to really know love like true deep love of yourself and of another. For me, for me, that portal came through my children. When I had my son, something broke open in my heart that I had been keeping locked away. That changed me forever. And I just, I wish that. And it doesn't have to come through a child, but just that everybody experiences what it feels to allow their heart to really, really be open and to be loved. Um, to do something <laughs> that really lights you on fire, <laughs> that really challenges the growth edge and whatever that looks like, right? That growth edge is so different for each individual, but where you, you claim something and you go for it, even though fear says you can't, where you, you allow yourself to be in the world of possibility as opposed to probability. And what else would I share? Mm. Mm. It's a travel to leave the place that you feel familiar with and explore. There's an entire world with so many different cultures and beliefs and ways of seeing things. And I, I feel that there's an expansion that happens when we step outside what we know and we, we see life from a different viewpoint. There's a, a frequency, a texture, um, a, like experience that's available to us when we go somewhere else. 
Uh, I have to say that again. What's not to love about the wisdom that flows through you? It's timeless. If this experience, all these experiences you speak of, uh, it feels to me like they're just endless. So we can just keep having them. <laughs> What's the alternative to it? <laughs> what would be? I don't know. Uh, well, it seems like it's, it would be just nothing. So that's like a prayer to me. Uh, the have this devotion for experiences, those that you speak of, that just opens the heart, opens the mind to possibilities, that just expands what the human body can, or eyes can see and, and be revealed to them. So it's beautiful. It's truly beautiful. Thank you so much for bringing this beauty that's, uh, to me, eternal to this reality in this moment, which is... Um, Oh, it is, right? Which is not even the moment. It's not even the moment to me. It's just the here, spaceless here. <laughs> thank mm-hmm. you so much again, Sarah, for your presence. Yes. And we'll thank talk you. soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Sarah Noble and her work, please visit sarahnoble.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.